Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this batch video for the web novel Out of Space taken from the website Royal Road. And as always I hope you enjoy the narration and if you do please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 389 Operation Overlord the General Atomics MQ-242LI unmanned reconnaissance vehicle was already on its last legs as it hovered quietly over the city as it was assigned to Overwatch. Built over 40 years ago, it was mothballed together with the ancient city-class heavy cruiser Singapore and only taken back into service when the UNS Singapore was retrofitted back into active service as an auxiliary ship. Without the proper UAV service station for the UAVs, the MQ-242LIs had started to break down with reduced performance. The engineering team could only make simple maintenance and repairs, but with proper materials and know-how, they could only prolong the inevitable for only so much time. Now, for the last time in its active service, the last remaining LI, which was long overdue to be decommissioned, performed its final data collection mission. Empire of Bluewood, City of Silverton, Citadel, Great Hall. Over a hundred people dressed in the latest court fashion thronged with the Great Hall. Music, conversation, laughter could be heard while a small army of servants waited on the guests. The Emperor sat on the throne at the end of the Great Hall and watched the nobles and influential people mingling around before him. He took a sip of his wine and inwardly felt disdain for the fawning faces of the people before him. All of them want wealth and power, yet none of them was willing to pay the price for it, only wanting to take credit for others without dirtying their hands. These people will only know how to suck the empire dry of its resources, thought the emperor. When asked for any contributions to the war against the rebels, everyone gave excuses of all kinds, but when invited to a party, everyone was suddenly available. He kept his smile on his face and devised a plan to wipe out all of those unworthy to the empire. Only the strong shall keep the empire strong. United Nations, City of Haven, Fortress Singapore, Naval Intelligence Department. Lieutenant Tabar broke into a smile as he watched the delayed feed of the UAV cameras. The large screens taking up on the wall of the Naval Intelligence Department's op rooms were showing an image that was taken by the UAV currently hovering just over Silverton. The screen was showing an image of a stone keeper that was brightly lit through the crystal windows. A party of sorts was going on. As the UAV operator controlled the cameras, the view panned over to the last window, which clearly showed a male lounging on a throne. The emperor was dressed in a long blue coat, thick with elaborate golden embroidery, and wearing a simple-looking eastern crown with three spikes in the front. Lieutenant Tabor gestured the UAV operator to zoom in on the camera. He walked closer to the screen and nodded in triumphant, Hello there, Mr. Emperor. United Nations, City of Haven, Residential District. The phone rang suddenly in the middle of the night, jolting awake both Blake and Shireen from their sleep. Blake gently untangled himself from Shireen's arms and rolled himself over to the edge of the bed. Who is calling at such a time? Shireen grumbled sleepily. Blake patted Shireen's head and hopped over the table where the phone was still ringing. Blake here. Captain, sorry for disturbing you in the princess's sleep. The voice of Lieutenant Tavor came in clear over the phone. But we got a situation here. Got it. Blake rubbed his grains of sleep from his eyes. I'll be in the bridge in, uh, twenty minutes. Yes, sir, Lieutenant Tavor replied. A car has been dispatched for you and will be waiting for you downstairs. Blake put the phone back in its cradle and hopped his way to the side of the bed before strapping on his prosthetic leg. What's the matter? Shireen rolled over and hugged Blake in the middle. Did something urgent come up? 
Blake nodded and gave Shireen's hand a squeeze before he turned over and kissed her on the forehead. Go back to sleep. I need to go to the bridge for an urgent matter. Is it very serious? The sleepiness in Shireen's voice had disappeared. Maybe, Blake smiled at Shireen. Don't worry, I can handle it. Hmm. Shireen nodded and got off the bed to help dress Blake in his uniform. Call me if there's anything you need my help with, okay? Okay. Blake kissed Shireen and gripped the peak cap before he left the room and out into the penthouse. He took the elevator down to the ground floor and found a couple of jeeps with their engines running waiting for him. His escort saluted and opened the door for him, and before long, he was on his way to the tallest structure in the city. The guards stood at attention at his arrival, and soon he was stepping on the bridge and waved the night watch crew back to their seats. Sir, Lieutenant Tavar was waiting for him at the Ford station. Without beating around the bush, he activated the screens and played back the surveillance video taken an hour ago. We got visual confirmation of an hour ago that the Emperor is in the city. Blake watched the video played at 1.5 times speed before the video paused when the camera panned and zoomed in to show the Emperor seated on the throne through the windows. That's him, yes? Lieutenant Tavar nodded. I had his image tallied with several previous ex-Empire personnel and high-value prisoners. They all have confirmed his identity. Sir, do we have the green light to go with the operation? Lieutenant Tavar asked with a serious tone. Blake frowned and rubbed the thin stubble forming on his chin and asked, How long till we lose UAV coverage? I say, uh, Lieutenant Tavor turned to check his aides before he replied, 40 hours max before the UAV is due to return. We only have enough lift capacity to drop a single battalion and all of his assets in one go. Blake drummed his fingers in a tactical plot table as he checked the map. Two hours roughly for a single trip, and when we add in refueling and loading time... So we need roughly 15 hours to get all three battalions stationed at Forledge to reach Silverton. Blake did a quick calculation. Are the Marines still lacking in supplies? Lieutenant Tavar nodded. Only half the supplies have reached them due to the sudden change in deployment orders. So they have roughly enough for two weeks of combat? Blake asked, which Tavar nodded again. Okay, that should be enough. We'll airdrop the rest in when they get them. Inform all departments to start Operation Overlord now. United Nations, City of Forledge, Forledge Airfield, Marine Staging Area. The turboprops of the FB-1 Mariner's propellers spun and roared lustily, throwing the clumps of black smoke and engine exhaust as the engine stabilized. A dozen FB-1 Mariners sat in rows on the tarmac had their engines powered up as the lines of troops started boarding the craft. Further down the row of Mariners sat two of the latest cargo transport aircraft, the C-1 Sky Freighter, it had a high wing profile with two turboprop engines and a single pylon in each wing and a large vertical stabilizer at the tail end which housed the ramp for the loading and unloading of cargo. The Sky Freighter was slightly larger than the Mariner in size and wingspan. It could carry more than twice the cargo of the Mariner and was faster and more endurance. The two craft had their rear ramps down as the troops started loading up with supplies and equipment. The armored support autonomous spider golems packed in the girls with weapons and supplies obediently rolled up the ramps and allowed the crew and their handlers to strap them into their own decks. Once all the supplies and the marines were boarded and strapped in, the two rows of aircraft taxied onto the runway and lined up in an orderly fashion. Twin banks of illuminated spells lit up the runway and the roar of the engines grew louder and louder as the lead plane charged up its engines and took off smoothly into the night skies. The men stood at the edges watching the aircraft taking off one after another and knew that hours later it'll be their turn.
Empire of Bluewood, City of Silverton, Citadel, Great Hall. The Emperor's expression suddenly changed as he jerked his head out to look at the crystal windows. He suddenly felt a strange sensation of something was watching him, making him feel the chill down his spine. He unconsciously touched his chest where the fragment of the sun god was implanted in his body, feeling the warmth that was giving out. What is it, my Emperor? The voice of the shadows behind the Emperor of Varrican. Is there something wrong? Strange, the Emperor frowned as he kept his eye on the window, seeing the darkness outside. About someone peeking in on me. Wait for a moment, my Emperor. The shadow replied, and after a while, the shadow spoke again. The anti-scrying spell is still in effect, and nothing has breached the magic barrier, nor the alarms. Hmm. Varrican nodded, and his expression did not change. As the reinforcements reached the front, so, my emperor, this shadow spoke, the bronze men will be gathering the third imperial army by dawn, and they will storm the lines. Good, the emperor Varrican nodded. Break the right flank and take the city of Orwell's Point. They must have more of those thunder weapons there. Yes, my emperor, replied the shadow again. Already we have gathered close to a hundred of such weapons. And the training? Emperor Varrican asked. And has the alchemist Memage's guild found anything about the weapons? The men are, um, learning the thunder weapons fast, the shadow said, but there is still no word from the alchemist and mages regarding the black sand and how the thunder rifle is made. No matter, the Emperor Varrican gave a dismissive wave with his hand. We have more bodies than they have. I do not believe that they can stop all of us with their pitiful numbers, even if they all are armed with thunder weapons. United Nations, Northern Front, Right Flank, Orwell's Point Forward Defense Line. The Rock watched yet another wave of Imperial troops navigating through the bloody mud, bodies, and the remains of razor wire under the illumination spells overhead. The distinctive ratata of the machine guns opened up first, followed by a deeper boom of rifles. They had fallen back to the Tun Fork Fort yesterday and traveling down the river and redeployment a defensive line here, just several kilometers away. To his surprise, the Imperial Army had continued to chase them, making the Rock wonder which incompetent commander was leading the third. Despite the constant attacks, the Rock could sense the unwillingness and low morale of the Imperials as they were made to show off attacking the UN lines before falling back again. As if to agree with his thoughts, the Imperials ceased their attacks and retreated back into the night. This makes no sense, the Rock said to his buddy, who had sat down, duckboards and leaning against the trench wall. They are just wasting their lives and efforts. Who cares? The buddy gave a shrug. They can keep doing that all they want. Just don't come into our lines. The Rock frowned, feeling something was wrong with how they way the Imperials attacking. There must be something else, or they would be wasting their lives like this. Could it be a diversion, or was he really thinking too much about the Imperial commander who was really an incompetent fool? I got a bad feeling about this. End of chapter. Chapter 390. Sucker Punch. United Nations, Northern Front, Right Flank, City of Orwell's Point. The war room was in a chaotic mess as aides and runners ran in and out, bearing messages and tasks. Staff officers updated the maps and tasking on the boards while radio op- operators sat facing a bank of radio set relay information back and forth like a tennis match. Mills, freshly promoted to take the role of military liaison to the governor of Orwell's Point, stood behind his once enemy and rival and now ally, Captain Judas, watching the chaos in the war room. Multiple legions sighted alongside this second defensive line. Eleventh Company is requesting artillery support. They're getting overrun. The Seventh Legion Company is requesting a fallback to the first defensive line. 
Second and third company, under attack by unknown number of Imperials. Ron's men sighted and confirmed they are attacking all along the second defense line. Mills frowned and said, Those damn Terminators are back. You mean the bronze men? Judas' expression was also bleak as he watched the map getting updated by the staffers. The third Imperial army must have gotten reinforcements after their failure with the dragons. I wonder which idiot is commanding the third Imperial army. Mills suddenly grinned. He's actually helping us a lot. Why do you say that? Judas asked curiously. Look at how they attacked us at the start, Mills explained. Straight up cold steel tactics. Heavy infantry in the front and light troops behind. Very standard Imperial tactics. Judas nodded as he was very familiar with those tactics. Mills continued. Next, the commander tried his some fancy aerial maneuvers with those dragons of his, which I find stupid. How so? If we did not have any of those, um, uh, uh, guns, Judas pronounced the letters as A instead of uh, as those dragons would have landed a few legions behind our lines. The thing is, the more complex an op is, Mill smiled, the more you'll frick it up. He bought us time to get his dragons and men in order, Mills said, which allowed us aerial scouts to spot his plans and ready for it. Which he literally fed them into our meat grinder, Mills said, and now he's throwing his troops constantly at our line for a past few days. Looking at the way the Imperial soldiers are fighting, Mills pointed out, they are already on their last stretch. Even if the reinforcements, Mills shook his head. Oh, they'll definitely break through the second defensive line, but upon reaching the first defensive line and the final line, Judas gave a smile and nodded. Their momentum will just die down. Yep, Mills said. Even if those Terminators, we can bog them down here for weeks. Time is something we have and they don't, Mills grinned. The middle is still being hauled strongly by the 3rd, 4th and 5th Marine Battalion, and the SRM batteries are being diverted to support the middle now that we had won the left flank. HQ wants us to be the bait to draw all the attention here, Mills said, and that now we are having all their attention here. Our sucker punch is going straight for the Emperor. 3rd Imperial Army, 136th Magic Support Regiment Jutsa van Asten flinched from the sudden explosion of dirt and flames just several feet away from him. He quickly pulled the excited and curious seal into his magic barrier and scowled at her. Stop running out of the barrier! But, but, uh... Seal's eyes were wide and sparkly as she craned her neck left and right, trying to watch for the ongoing battle before her. I want to see! See your head! Jutsa growled. I promised your parents I'd bring you back in one piece. What's that? Seal's attention was already away, ignoring his words. Jutsa sighed as he made sure to keep Seal within the effect of his magic barrier. The other mages around him ignored their antics as they were well focused on keeping their own lives. Finally, a gap opened up enough for Seal and Jutsa to see the battle before them, and they were momentarily stunned to silence. Instead of those glory scenes shown on the paintings and plays, the battlefield before them was totally nothing that they could ever imagine. Imperial soldiers were mostly on their bellies, pouring forward either half-naked or without armor. The ground was a color between a sort of pink and a red because the dead had turned and trampled soil into a bloody mud. Smoke covered the battlefield, and there was a wind or a breeze. It brought a tang of rust and rotten eggs. Seal brought her hand to cover her nose while the smell and sudden as she bowled over and vomited out of her contents in her stomach as she saw the gory scene stretching out before her view. Barrier up! A mage screamed as he was in a strange cry from the skies and the mages around them quickly joined together and overlapped their magic barriers together. 
They ignored Seal's mess and squeezed together with a surprised Jutsa. The sudden thunderous clap had erupted above Jutsa, Seal, and the majors, and a shockwave slammed down, forcing the physically weaker majors to their knees. Jutsa and Seal kneeled down on the ground in shock as suddenly all of their hearing disappeared. Jutsa could see Seal's mouth hanging open, and a mage behind her seemed to be screaming out that he couldn't hear the words. He shook his head in confusion, and slowly there was a ringing in his ears and he slowly recovered his hearing. Seal was sobbing and screaming something. Jutsa quickly reached out to help her up before casting a minor healing spell to recover her hearing. The mages around them continued to jostle about, forced them to stay in a group. Keep your barriers up if you want to live! Jutsa grabbed the shock seal and hugged her protectively as the world around them exploded into flames and smoke. C-1 Sky Freighter skies over the city of Silverton, 1st Marine Battalion, A Company, 3rd Platoon. Stand up! The Marine Sergeant roared over the drone of the engines. The men on both sides stood up and stared to check the gear. Hook up! The men snapped their static lines into the overhead cable. Equipment check! The men sounded off their buddy's gear. The aircrew started releasing and restraining straps of cargo in the middle of the plane. Five minutes! The rear cargo ramp slowly lowered down and the land below them could be seen. The sun had gone up just over an hour ago, and the sun rays left long shadows on the farmland and forests. One minute! The cargo master stood at the side and the rear opening and peered out of the plane. The red signal light suddenly switched to green, and the low buzz of the cargo master slammed his fist on the release. Immediately, the cargo, consisting of supplies and platoons of ASAGs, rolled off the middle track and out of the rear ramps as one after the other in a mad rush. The pallets of ASAGs, once launched off the ramp, deployed triple parachutes as static lines ripped the cord of the parachute packs. Go, 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 go! The cargo master yelled as the two banks of marines on either side. He stood in the middle of the ramp opening and waved his hands for the men to move out. The marines on both sides jogged forward and dived off the rear after the pallets one by one. Soon, the air was filled with hundreds of parachutes as their feet flew over the city of Silverton. Outskirts on Silverton Marine Field HQ Right on schedule, Major Joseph grinned as he observed the small fleet of aircraft over the city deploying the marines. He turned his aide and ordered, Tell all the men to attack now. He was pushed to be the field commander of Operation Overlord since he had the most combat experience in city fighting and airborne operations. Now, standing in a freshly dug bunker where his command staff was busy giving his orders of the rest of his units, which they had landed in the first and second wave, he felt finally to get the revenge against the Emperor. Marines in digital camel fatigues and face paint slowly emerged out from the forms of cover as the order came down. They advanced in a thin line, surrounding the city still unaware of their presence, while other units locked down on the roads and bridges leading to the city. Overhead, the grey-green balls of parachutes floating down towards the city that would soon be shocked by the sudden and unexpected attack, Joseph grinned and turned to the radio operator at the side. Go for the mortars. Let's have them a good wake-up call. The radio operator grinned and started fiddling with the radio knobs. Firestorm, firestorm, Lord Actual is requesting a mortar barrage on the coordinates. Seconds later, the dull thumping of mortars came from over the low rise where the Marine support detachment had dug into the man-packed mortars. The mortar teams had long ago sighted their fire with the help of the UAV still circling over the city. 
the unaware city suddenly erupted into explosions and predetermined locations of barracks, stables, and city defenses were hit by a barrage of mortar fire. Sounds of pearls being struck could be soon heard as Joseph's position and a grin widened as he saw the city on fire. All units, take down the Emperor! First Marine Battalion, A Company, 3rd Platoon. Slow came to an abrupt stop over his 160kg bulk of muscle and gear slammed into the cobbled street. He grunted loudly as he bent his knees as strained and did a roll to break his landing, but the hard ground and his gear jabbed him painfully. Asagi, his little companion spider golem, which landed just before him, came over to help him up and even rolled up his parachute nicely for him. Slow stood up and looked around his surroundings, and to his surprise and glee, the residents who were out in the morning were staring at him dumbstruck. Slow gave a cheery smile and waved at the imperial citizens, who were confused and frightened by the strange face-painted orkin that seemed to have dropped out of the skies. Slow looked around to see if he could spot any of his platoon mates, where suddenly were a series of explosions. Oh, uh, the bodies already started. Slow hefted his MG up just as the city bell started ringing. He eyed the frightened folk around him and warily, in case they tried anything funny, and as expected, he heard the heavy stomps of boots coming his way. A small troop of Imperial soldiers appeared as they came to a confused halt at the sight of Slow. You there! The leading Imperial with the red plume on his helm cried out. Who are you and what is your business here? Slow grinned and replied, My business is death. Eat lead. He squeezed the trigger on his MG and spewed fire and lead, rattling the troops of Imperial soldiers with bloody holes. The crowd screamed at the fearsome roar of the MG and at the sudden deaths as they dispersed rapidly away. Thunder! came a cry from down the street, but Slow left and replied, Flash! A couple Marines appeared as they joined Slow. Heard your gunfire. Where is the rest? Don't know, Slow replied as he checked his gear on a board Sasagi. I landed here with Asagi, but I did not see the rest of my guys. Well, fark it, one of the marines said. Let's just head to the place where the Emperor is. We should be able to find our own people along the way. Slow and the other marines nodded as they quickly headed towards the tallest structure in the city. End of chapter. Chapter 391. Urban Warfare. The city of Silverton, Citadel, Emperor's Quarters... Emperor Varrican had been having a pleasant dream when suddenly he was shaken awake. He blinked his eyes in anger and confusion at the frightened eunuchs next to him. My emperor, wake up, wake up. What's the matter? Varrican sat up and rubbed his teeth off his face. He paused and cocked his head to the side as his brain wrenched to the clanking of bells outside his room. An attack? Yes, my emperor. The eunuchs kowtowed before they tried to help dress the emperor. The city is under attack. The Emperor Varrigan pushed his way through the eunuch's hands and quickly strolled over to the window. He whipped outside curtains and daylight flooded into the room. He stared at a flabbergasted expression as he saw columns of smoke rising from the distance and strange floating orbs all over the city skies. Who is attacking us? Emperor Varrigan stormed away from the window as his eunuchs quickly followed behind him, carrying articles of clothing. Call and assemble the war council. The thunder could be heard, which made the grounds tremble, and the crystal windows of the chandelier rattled. Who dares attack us? The city of Silverton, marketplace. 
Slow, snuggled into a sitting position next to an overturned stall, he rested his machine gun bipod on the side of the stall and watched the men in the street that led the marketplace, which he and a few other marines had taken over. He offhandedly grabbed a piece of fruit off the overturned stall and bit into it, enjoying the sudden sweet and sour tang of the fruit as he and I took another bite. The sergeant yelled, Contacts, make ready. Slow tossed his half-eaten fruit away and wiped his hand against his uniform and leaned forward into his machine gun's buttstock. Soon, a column of imperial soldiers wearing blue and a silver plate mail was lugging along a heavy shields and spears appeared around the corner. Wait for it, the marine sergeant hissed and hidden men. Wait for it. The clatter of steel-toed boots grew louder and louder as the imperial soldiers were rushing towards the city to reinforce their defenses. The column of unsuspecting Imperials entered the marketplace plaza, and the sergeant cried out, Fire! Slow clenched his teeth hard as he held down the trigger, and the machine gun beneath him started jerking away like it was alive. The sergeant and the rest of the marines had set up a kill zone, and it caught the surprised Imperials in the crossfire. Traces from Slow's machine gun left smoke and burning holes in the bodies of the super-hot tracers set fire to the clothing of the Imperials. Ceasefire! Ceasefire! The sergeant roared out over the din, Check fire! Bodies lay slumped where the ambush had taken place, and the blood slowly painted the plaza red. Check the bodies! Slow remained in his position and kept watch on the street and the doorways and the windows of the buildings around the plaza for any threats. The buildings around the plaza remained quiet and the windows were boarded. Most likely, the inhabitants were scared of their minds and were hiding. Thunder! A yell came from a side street, and the sergeant called back and answering the code word, Flash! A group of marines appeared warily. They watched their surroundings alertly, and the sergeant went up to greet them. As Slow returned to helping himself to scattered fruits, someone called to him, Hey, Slow, is that you? Slow turned around and saw a group of soldiers dressed differently from the marines. Their armor was black, and they carried a large variety of weapons. You guys, Claymore one. Hitsu walked over and crouched next to Slow and joined him in choosing a spilled fruit. Long time no see. What are you doing here? Slow asked curiously as he eyed the Claymore One members. What else? Hitsu grinned and gave a wink. We're here for the Emperor. All right, change your plans. The sergeant suddenly called out. The LT here wants to support the assault on the gates from the rear. So you pack, gear up, and Slow, stop eating the goddamn fruits. The sergeant growled at Slow, who quickly stuffed a few more fruits into his pockets. Wait a minute. Sergeant Tyria and the 101st called out, Lieutenant, I thought you agreed to provide support for me and the keep where the Emperor is at. The lieutenant shook his head. Sorry, Sergeant. Our orders came from command just came in. They want all available units to support the assault on the walls. If the gates don't open, we're all screwed. Crap, Tyria cursed. All right, I guess we're on our own. Again... Sorry, the lieutenant apologized. I can spare some men, but not all of them. Okay, I'll take all the help I can get, Tyria sighed. I'll need an ASAG. The lieutenant turned and looked at the spider golem following the handler's actions in picking up fruits in the ground and stuffing them into any free space in the backpack. Um, sure. Sarge, the lieutenant turned to the marine sergeant. He who he can detail to claim all one and add in an ASAG too. Yes, sir. The marine sergeant replied and turned and eyed the gathered men. All right, and he volunteers. Okay, you, 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 and you. The sergeant snapped and picked up six marines. And you too, slow. 
You boys will follow Sergeant Tyria and the 101st from now till further notice. The sergeant gave a quick brief of the volunteered marines. Be proud, for you guys are going straight for the emperor. You will be heroes when the scrap is over. Hoorah! Outskirts of Silverton, Operation Overlord Command Post, Joseph scanned the city walls with binoculars and frowned as he started seeing more and more figures appearing on top. Already, his mortal fire was losing its effectiveness as the city major barriers started encapsulating more important structures of the city. The troops need to destroy the magic barriers or we lose our ranged advantage. Joseph turned to his command staff. We need the 1st Battalion inside the city to destroy the magic barrier formations, or they'll be trapped inside. Order the mortars to seize fire and conserve their ammo, Joseph ordered next as he turned to view the city. No point in wasting mortars on the shields for now. From his vantage point, Joseph could see the tiny figures of his marines advancing towards the main gates. The Imperial defenders were firing arrows and bolts but down at the advancing marines. Now that the mortar barrage had lifted, with the city magic barriers up, the Imperial defenders' morale soared as they no longer feared the strange and deadly thunder weapons. Order the 2nd and 8th Battalion to stand down for now, Joseph said. Wait for the barriers to drop before attacking again. For now, only snipers to engage targets of opportunity. Yes, sir. The scattered 1st Battalion inside the city started their assault. Their original orders were to attack any targets of opportunity meaning that they were to either assault the keep where the emperor was or attack the nearest gates. Those units with radios responded to the new orders of finding the city's many magic towers that powered the magic barriers while those without continued their original orders, ambushing and wreaking havoc inside the city. The city's inhabitants cowled indoors under tables and beds in fear of the barbarian attackers. They hid the children and the womenfolk away in fear of the barbarians eating and assaulting them. The men armed themselves and prepared to defend their loved ones as they had all heard of how terrible the fates would be if they fell into the hordes of the barbarians. The city of Silverton, Moongate, Claymore One, and a ragtag bunch of marines quickly advanced up the main concourse of the city. It was literally a highway right in the city's main keep. But the only thing that was that they had to pass through two internal city gates and they were all warded by magic barriers. Terrier leaned out from the cover and peeked at the shimmering bubble formed around the gate before him. Crap, the magic tower is behind those walls. We need another way in. Blow a hole in the wall, Slow suggested as he patted the backpack in his soggy. Much explosives here. Really? His eyes glowed as he quickly opened the pouches of the Asagi and whistled in admiration. Wow, boss, um, there will be more than enough explosives here to blow up the entire city. Okay, Terrier nodded. Then we plant those explosives on the wall and blow our way in. He quickly gave the orders to the rest who spread out from their cover and headed towards the section of the wall where there weren't any barriers or Imperials. Once the explosives were planted, they ran back into cover while the Imperials who spotted them started yelling and shooting arrows and bolts at them from the wall. Fire in the hole! Their detonator switch was held down and instantly the thunderous roar erupted and chunks of masonry and stone flew into the skies before raining down. Go, go, go! The marines of Claymore One troop charged into the smoke and found themselves in a courtyard where dozens of imperial soldiers lay dazed on the ground. Tyria quickly identified the mage tower and he yelled and pointed at it. Take it out! A marine ran forward and dropped to a kneeling position. 
He hefted up an RPG-1 tube on his shoulder and took aim at the three-story high round tower with the purplish glow coming from the top floor. One round, away. The rocket whooshed and darted right into the tower with a dull thump. The rocket slammed into the stone tower before exploding. Tyria frowned as he saw there was barely any reaction caused by the rocket and was able to yell for another shot. The tower suddenly exploded spectacularly. The shockwave spanned out in a wave, knocking everyone within range down and the magic barrier of the inner gate just popped out of existence. Tyria pushed himself up and shot a nearby Imperial that was recovering from the shockwave. Okay, next time we hit it from farther away. Imperial soldiers suddenly appeared and they spotted the UN soldiers next to the hole in the wall and they charged them directly. Kill the Bavarians! Contact! Someone yelled and the marines of Claymore 1 troops started to fire their weapons. The Imperials dropped with loud clanks of metal as they were shot. They tried to fend off the UN soldiers' ranged attacks with their heavy shields, but they barely stopped the bullets from breaking bones and penetrating weakened metal. Move! Move! Tyria gestured left and right. The troops split up as they advanced tactically across the courtyard, firing single shots at any sword or spear-wielding Imperial soldier. They could hear gunfire and explosions in other parts of the city as they advanced deeper, and no sooner or later the city would be theirs. Outskirts of Silverton, Operation Overlord, Command Post. Joseph watched as plumes of smoke erupted from behind the city walls and knew that his marines were doing the best at destroying things. He grinned when he saw the telltale bubble covering the city watchtowers vanished. The watchtower had ballistas that was constantly throwing bolts at the marines hung it down. When the barrier went down, it received no less than three rockets and the whole watchtower exploded into smoke and bits of masonry and stone rained down from the ruins. Joseph's smile widened when he saw the barrier belonging to the main gate's flickered and vanish. It's time! Destroy that damn gate! End of chapter Chapter 392 Door Knockers The City of Silverton, Main Gates, Lower Bailey Do not falter! A commander cried out as he rallied the Imperial troops. He raised his silver blade in the air, which caught on sunlight, painting his pose of heroism. We are the mighty, we are the shield, we are the sword for the Empire! He roused by the night commanders ready, the Imperial soldiers locked their shields together and stood before the huge gates of the city, prepared to hold their ground. Roars and thunder could be heard beyond the city walls and screams of wounded and dying could be equally heard. Troops rushed forward carrying heavy logs to brace against the gates to prevent them from being hammered open. Coupled with trolls and a spike slave collars and their arms and legs dangling, thick chains lent their strength against the gates. Ready yourselves. The night commander called out, and the shield wall had barely deployed inside the gateway, while a company of crossbowmen aimed the crossbows over the wall of shields. The gateway was roughly a hundred steps from the gate to the exit of the head of poor colors ready to drop down. Beyond the exit was a lower bailey, an open courtyard filled with imperial soldiers, and another smaller gate barring the way to the city proper. But, unfortunately for the night commanders, was unable to predict that the attackers would just destroy the city gates in a mere heartbeat. Now skirts of the city of Silverton, main gates, 8th Marine Battalion, D Company. The team of marines inside the gun pit fussed over a thick fat tube mounted on the top of a tripod. The short stubby tube looked similar to the marines RPG-1, except that the tube was fatter, shorter and heavier. 
The more of the tube was set over the tip of the gun pit, and the gunner sat in the dirt wet with dew. His eyes stuck to the targeting scope. The spotter next to him yelled out, Range! R-50. The marine gunner sighted the weapon and placed the dotted sights on the number 400 slightly above the middle of the gates in the distance. Stand clear. Clear. The rest of the team scurried to the side, away from the zone of the back blast. Round one. Away. The gunner squeezed the trigger and a massive blast of flames erupted from the rear of the recoilless rifle while the dart flashed into the crack. The 88mm recoilless rifles were a new addition to the marines, especially air flown to foliage to support the marines' airborne assault on the emperor. The marines had chosen for the weapon had only a few hours of guidance on the usage of the weapon before they were loaded up and airdropped into enemy territory. The 88 by 246 mm shell screamed out from the tube at a speed of roughly 250 meters per second, downrange. Less than two seconds, the high-explosive dual-purpose round squashed the head against the thick weathered gates made out of ironwood and detonated. There were no flames, just a cloud of grey smoke and flying splinters as the gates disintegrated from the 88 mm shell. Reloading! The assistant gunner cried out as he twisted the rear hinge and swung the breech out. He extracted the empty shell casing and slammed a new shell in. Ready. Stand clear. Clear. One round away. The two trolls, resting their weight against the gate, never knew what killed them as suddenly as the gate burst into smoke and splinters. Despite the thick, leathery skin of the trolls, the sprawling gate sent hundreds of wooden splinters into their bodies, but that did not kill them. The resulting kinetic energy and shockwave from the exploding shell that dumped their energies into the troll's body, turning the internals into jelly. The bodies of the trolls toppled backwards, crushing any Imperials that were lucky to survive the initial shockwave and spalling. The blast had knocked the shield wall down and the gateway's enclosed area. The shockwave had broken many soldiers' hearing. Some of the weaker soldiers even died from the sudden overpressure caused by the explosion. The second 88mm shell screamed through the shattered gates and detonated against the rear wall of the gateway, blowing out a large portion of the gatehouse and portcullis. The mangled remains of the portcullis fell down, further crushing more of the Imperials under its weight. Yay, company, advance! Captain Gavin, once the ex-knight captain, now company commander of A Company of the 8th Battalion, roared out as he saw the city's gates disintegrating. His men cried out as one entity as they roused from cover and charged. Bursts of machine gun fire covered their charge as the MG team swept the tops of the wall with tracers and lead, blowing chunks of masonry out of the exposed heads off. A company of marines rushed right up to the walls and stacked up both sides at the huge gate, waiting for the smoke and debris to clear. Gavin ran along the wall, passing his men and paused right at the edge of the shattered gate. He took a quick peek in and could only see the smoke and darkness, but he could hear the cries and voices of Imperials inside the gateway. Use grenades, he called out to the nearby marines who nodded in acknowledgement. Several of them quickly held up egg-shaped grenades in their hands and pulled the pins. Fire in the hole! The grenades were tossed into the gateway, and seconds later, several ear-bursting thundercracks echoed out. Go, go, go! The marines charged in and saw dozens and dozens of figures milling around in confusion. The light from the end of the gateway was bright enough for the marines to see the once the smoke had dispersed. They fired at the confused crowd discriminantly as they advanced as fast as they could to secure the gate before the enemy recovered. 
The night commander's expression was bleak as the sudden explosions broke the gate. He stared open-mouthed at the destruction and wondered what kind of magic spell was capable of overwhelming the magic defenses carved into the gates. The second explosion shocked him more as it broke the heavy portcullis, sending it crashing down onto the side and crushing anyone underneath it. I'm up on a shield wall here. He confused soldiers stationed at the lower bailey, barely followed his orders, making him scream at the men till they presented their shields towards the gate. As the men formed up, they could hear several thunderous cracks echoing out from the gateway, followed by screams. The men's faces paled as their minds started to wonder what kind of horror was breaking through the gates. Archers, make ready. The night commander called out next. The bowmen and crossbowmen quickly stationed themselves on the internal walls, aiming down the gateway's exit. More thunderous cracks echoed out from the gateway and flashes of light could be seen, and the shield wall nervously shifted back. The night commander growled angrily at them. Stand fast, men. You are the shield, the sw- Suddenly, a fiery red bolt erupted out from within the gate, and the shield wall collapsed. Sparks and loud clanks burst out from the collapsing shield wall as men screamed and dropped. The bow and crossbowmen panicked, loosed their arrows and bolts into the gateway in response. The night commander in charge of the gate defenses was shocked, uncertain of what could have killed the hundreds of men in his just several heartbeats. His fury roused when he saw dozens of shabby-looking blue-green-dressed barbarians and paint their faces fanning out from the gateways. They spread out and kneeled down. Those demonic thunder weapons roared and his men died. The commander screamed out his fury and pointed his sword at the barbarians. Charge! Kill them all! He charged and held his blade in a two-handed stance while his retinue of nearby soldiers followed his lead. Kill! Gavin stepped out from the shadowy of the gateway and into the sun. The first thing he saw was a huge pile of dead, laying like the scarred armor in a haphazard way on the courtyard. Next, he noticed the archers on the wall tops, which he quickly pointed at and ordered, Clear the tops of the archers! The marines, hearing his command, switched their fire to the battlements on the wall. Their accurate and higher rate of fire overwhelmed the archers quickly, but not before suffering a few casualties. Charge! Kill them all! Gavin snapped his attention to the cry and saw a group of heavily armored Imperials charging their way across the courtyard. He even noted that there was a couple of trolls behind them, lugging along a tree log. Machine guns, he called out, and the Orc Marine carried a machine gun came up next to him. You know what to do. Yes, sir. The Orc gave a bloodthirsty grin as he stood there like a character out of the war movie called Lambo or something, hip firing his machine gun like it weighed nothing. The charge of the Imperials faltered as they slammed into a wall of lead. The magic barrier that they had cast burst into sparks as the bullets hammered into it, depleting the caster's mana rapidly. Finally, unable to withstand the onslaught of bullets, the barrier popped and without the protection of the barrier, the Imperials barely advanced another step when they turned into a bloody dancing mannequins. RPGs, Gavin yelled out, take out those trolls. The whoosh of the rockets replied to him as the bazooka's armed marines fired their shoulder-held weapons. The patrols were easily knocked down and killed by a number of rocket shot. Platoon 1, take the left tower. Platoon 2, take the right. Gavin ordered as the situation within the courtyard stabilized. Platoon 3, hold the yard. And 4, secure the gate. Next, he gestured to the radio men. Chancellor Actual to Lord Actual, gate is secured. Lord Actual, copy that. Stand by for reinforcements. Gavin returned the radio set to the radioman and turned his attention to the medics. 
Can we move the wounded out? Should not be much of a problem, sir, the medic replied. Once we stabilize them, we should be able to move the wounded out. Good, do it. Gavin turned his attention back to the courtyard as he could hear gunfire, most likely from the platoons clearing the gatehouse and the towers for further resistance. Soon after, he could hear the reinforcements coming in as other companies started entering. <sighs> the Imperials are so fucked. The city of Silverton, Great Hall. The Emperor was sitting on his throne with his head resting on one of his arms as he watched the city commanders and ministers quarrel amongst themselves. The governor stood below the Emperor on one side, constantly wiping the sweat off of his face with a scented hand towel. Enough of the charade! The Emperor sighed, Order all your household guards and what other soldiers you have left to reinforce the citadel. By now, my army and north would be notified by the attack and they will march down to support us. The commanders and ministers all bowed to the emperor and praised, Your majesty is most wise. Long live the emperor. Go and do what you need to do. The emperor waved his crowd away. Once the crowd had disappeared, the emperor asked, Who are the attackers? It would seem that the barbarians from the uh, United Nations. A voice spoke up from the shadows. Interesting. The emperor leaned back at his throne. How did they get you? By air, my emperor. The shadow replied, they used some kind of magic drop from the skies, hence that was how they were escaped our notice. I see. The emperor's eyes narrowed when he suddenly laughed. Good, good. Such a wonderful opponent. I will enjoy crushing them even more now. Order the bronze men in. We will use this opportunity to test the results of um, the new retraining and crush these uh, barbarians. We're here in the city once and for all. End of chapter. And that, my friends, is the end of this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the channel. There are numerous links down below. The easiest way would be to share this video and this channel to as many people as possible to help this channel grow. Your support is very much appreciated. And I will see you all in the next video. Cheers.